I'm Amber Bradner. And I'm Derek Coleman. And, and this, this is, is All of Us. A place where we learn to take care of ourselves and each other so we can build communities where all of us belong. All of Us is brought to you by Camp Social, empowering digital communities with on-chain reputation and rewards for social connection. And ETH Denver, the largest, freest Web3 community innovation festival fiddling the decentralized future. Today we are joined by Eileen Margaret Burt, a researcher, facilitator, artist, and healer dedicated to inhabiting a new culture of self-sovereignty, reciprocity, and the value of being. She has coordinated gatherings and projects with Cabindow, who is currently building a network city for creators. She is curious about the frontiers of human connection and how the shape of our social technology makes the shape of us. She is a slow thinker and a fast writer, a gatherer of people and nice yarns, and a cozy queen. Eileen, welcome to all of us. It's great to have you. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Derek. I'm really glad to be here. So we connected, of course, through a network of networks and connections. I want to say it was Spencer with uh, Jernodow actually, who connected us. And then we got to meet in person about a week ago. And it was just so lovely. And we recognized each other through uh, from Zoom. (laughs) And I remember you said, which I think was just one of the greatest compliments, which is your vibe is is like the same as it is in person as it is on Zoom, which is really rare. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> super fun. And I love that you know this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was amazing to see you in person. And I'm glad we had that before having this conversation. Um, I absolutely like feel your deep presence uh, in meeting you in person. The mm-hmm. uh, level of just um authenticity that you show up with and accessibility as well to your whole personness i just really really appreciate that and i'm so curious to learn more about what you are passionate about right now in your life and the journey that you've been on in creating because it sounds like you touch in a lot of different forms of expression of creation for yourself yeah thank you ember um those in-person meetings are, are so fun. That's actually uh, also how I met Spencer was we met in person. Um, and yeah, it's just really special in this age of like digital connection to have this in-person network. It's, it's wild. Yeah, I, I've, I've, my interests recently have been just like so broad and also really narrow. I am really interested in like networks of people and how they form. Uh, and I've been interested in that a long time. Um, I studied economics in school um, and I, I took this focus of uh, social networks and like how has the the structure of social networks, um, social like social media networks um, and their business model impacted the way that we connect with each other. Um, and that was something that uh, came up at East Denver uh, where we met about a week ago. Um, uh, came up again for me. It was really kind of reignite, it reignited for me uh, as I... Uh, moderated this panel on um, Web3 social media uh, and kind of figuring, like noticing all the ways people are, are 
starting to use web free technology to to empower social media where where should the blockchain be used where should it not it's really interesting boundaries to walk i'm super curious with since you did just come off of this panel discussion what do you see as the benefits of social media being used in web3 sometimes i feel like i should just throw the whole thing out um but mm. of course as as a culture and technology users like obviously there's a ton of benefits to social media and human connection but what are we doing better in web3 and maybe what are some of the things that you feel like you're noticing that we're not paying enough attention to yet mm. um i think that from my perspective there's still this kind of era of experimentation in web3 which is kind of just like okay what do we want to even put on the blockchain what is this useful for um my perspective is that blockchain seems really useful for financial technologies uh, especially like moving value around and giving people ownership uh, and so something that i thought thought a lot about was like okay like how do we monetize media and um like what um yeah how can we put that on on the blockchain i i noticed some new ways of um I've had the pleasure of meeting some of the guys uh, from who are building Mobi, which is a different blockchain, um, mobile coin, um, and just saw how like it, they have a really easy user experience. So I was like, oh wow, like this could be, this could be awesome. As for social media, I think that uh, there's a way to uh, give people ownership of their data without putting too much of it actually on chain. Um, one of the, the founders I talked to, uh, they're building a Web3 MySpace, Web3 MySpace called Theme, um, was like, yeah, we don't really want all of our data to be on chain, especially social media data, because you want this to not be always on chain because it's not deletable. Like, and I was like, yeah, like I really want the power to delete the things that I put on social media. And so, yeah, I think it's really the frontier of that is like, how do we combine the technology that we already have that's not Web3 and then put certain things on the chain and not everything? And I'm not the person to answer that question. I'm not a technologically minded person, but I really enjoy watching those conversations. It's interesting. So you've been involved in CabinDAO, which is obviously a Web3 uh, DAO, Web3 initiative, but mm -hmm. Cabin's approach is very real world based. Yeah. Can you walk us through a little bit about what's happening at CabinDAO and maybe how you got involved and and you know what you're what you're learning through that experience? For sure. Yeah, my experience at Cabin, I've learned so much about like interacting with people online and in person. Um their one of their main things is getting together in person. Um and I was connected uh to Cabin through um my network in San Francisco. I lived in a co-living house in San Francisco. Um, and one of their the people who's on their core team there uh, has founded a number of houses in the San Francisco area. And so just like through that network was connected, popped in the discord. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Kind of got sucked in and um, started doing some projects and um, working on some stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm such an in-person person and I've had some trouble working through these platforms like discord and working so much on text and remote and and not like this is better because I can like see your guys faces but it's still not the same as being together in the room it's like it's easier for me to get distracted I'm highly distractible um and so yeah working so remotely I've found myself getting especially with with things that matter so much to me I found myself getting really angry or like frustrated and not knowing quite how to express it and like be together, um, which has been this huge learning uh, of just really the importance of getting together in person 
um, and how much um, like the higher quality of, I want to say like collaboration, the higher quality of collaboration that can happen uh, with different types of connection. Um, and then I also like something I've noticed through that too is um, I find that I can collaborate better with people that I've had like short periods with um, in person. So it's like, okay, we meet and then like, I get your whole feel, I get your whole vibe. And then like, if we're messaging, if we're emailing it, you put a period on the end of your sentence. I'm not like, oh my God, like, <laughs> do they like me still? Uh, you know? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're like, am I questioning their punctuation? No, because we spent that 15 minutes together, that one time of shelling point. So like, I know that they're like, chill with me, but otherwise I'd be questioning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's an exaggeration but um I even do this like it's just like you know that's that's trauma it's like in my even like texting my partner if he like puts a period on the end of the sentence there's still like a little part of me that's like a little anxious um which of course now I can kind of see and be like okay like they're there um but it's it's there and it's harder through the internet um that's so yeah yeah that's so interesting to think yeah there's there's all these little nuanced things that are for each of us so specific that we don't know when we're sending a message right we don't know that our punctuation might be a trigger or (laughs) but like all of that what I'm hearing too is that when you really know someone when you're in their field like Mm -hmm. sharing a physical space there's some kind of shared context that's created or a deeper understanding of each other that creates a sense of safety and sort of more room mm-hmm. for all those things that could be triggers to just kind of flow in and out a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's just like there's different we have all these new technologies now. It's been what, like 20 years with like video calling technology. It's like nothing for our bodies to get used to it. So um this huge proliferation of new technologies. And then we're trying to learn how to use these different levels of connection, these new new forms. And we don't know how yet, or I don't know how yet. Maybe other people do. Yeah, in the introduction, we mentioned that one of the things you care about is creating a new culture that includes self-sovereignty and reciprocity Mm -hmm. and the value of being. And within the self-sovereignty piece, Taking responsibility even for understanding that sometimes when tone and meaning get confused over text, right? It's not a new problem. Uh, That if you get anxious around the period at the end of someone's sentence, that says more about you than it does about them. And I don't mean that in a way to criticize, but in a way that I think the beginning of a really healthy culture from my perspective is one where each individual can understand themselves and understand what's coming up for them and have the ability to articulate that within the community because so much Mm -hmm. of where i see like well-intentioned teams especially new projects falling off the rails is when folks come together around that initial excitement of some kind of idea or shared value almost like a honeymoon phase and then as soon as there start being like bumps in the road, like differences in communication style or Mm -hmm. like how to balance all of our values about whether to go fast or make sure that we're taking care of tech debt or other things where you want to go slow. There will inevitably be, I guess, conflict's a strong word, but like tensions that need to be resolved. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you naming your own anxiety and wanted to zoom in on that a little bit because, you know, that's like 
one of two pieces, I think, if I could like wish something for all communities, part one would be that each person take responsibility for themselves. And then part two would be that we create a culture where it's uh, expected that people are going to bring those things to the table and just say like, mm-hmm. hey, I've noticed that a lot of our conversation here in this thread or server or chain or whatever it is, has me feeling a certain type of way. And that's my stuff. But I want to air that and uh, talk about it together. I, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of communities I'm a part of, there's just this like, we're all cool and don't be weird about it vibe that doesn't have like the space or the processes to deal with stuff like that when it inevitably comes up. Totally. Yeah. And like, in my view, it like, this stuff is still happening under the surface. We can have this like, ah, everything's fine and we love each other. And yeah, maybe that's true on some level, but this stuff is still happening under here. Um, and it's, it's, this is like one of the things I think is like a frontier of human connection is like, how can we like creating the space for that to come up without this being like being the blame game or becoming this like really like um, it's their scary conversations about this becoming um, yeah, pointing fingers or um, for me, it comes out kind of as this, this anger and I'm right thing. Um, yeah. It's one thing to be yeah. able to close the computer screen or just not go back to that discord server for a week, but you were in a co-living situation in San Francisco. So I'm curious what the culture was like there around stuff like that. Yeah. We, so as a community, we, we had a pretty loose structure. We had like heart check-ins every two weeks. Um, but it, it was tough. Uh, I mean, I ultimately left that community. Um, and it's, it, while I was there, there was a lot of turnover. I moved in during COVID. Um, would love to be a part of another community like that. Um, but it's hard to really bring that stuff to the table without like a shared agreement of like how it's going to happen. And that includes everyone. We ran into some issues around around things that were happening in the community as happens in probably most communities. Um, yeah, it's really real when you live together um, and you have to see each other every day um, and leaving means moving out or taking a trip. And the the people that know how to navigate these situations and want to hold space for it yeah, what comes up for me is like, they're not often like appreciated the the like level of work that they're doing um, or like kind of seen in that. But they like, in my community, you had like a few people who were, who did that work um, at kind of cost to themselves. Um, and one person in particular, um, a woman that I'm thinking of. Um, and that was just like such a huge service to the community. Um, and so just kind of, yeah, just, really appreciating that person and that those skills that are quite like highly skilled, like um, really valuable skills that, that I want to see more of in the world. And I aim to become that, but I am so at the beginning of that journey. You're kind of touching on, I guess, the role of a both facilitator, um, like intention setting, uh, space holder, like, mm-hmm. right. There's all these, and I think it's that invisible hand almost, you know, for so mm. many people are like, oh, it just feels like magic because everything's just working great. But like, there's someone, <laughs> there's someone where there are, are people doing it with subtle words. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Who are doing, who are doing that work. Um, I know that Derek just uh, went through a deep inner work and facilitation training as well. I'm curious what, maybe you guys have learned uh, that has oversection or overlap uh, in facilitation. Um, 
and what it is for you that is coming up next. You're saying you would love to get to that space. Like, what is your journey? Where are you looking? What are you learning? Yeah, I've been going through this kind of like healing modality slash space holding training um, over the past year and a half or so. Um, that's it's more just like a decentralized network of people that are thriving in the con. They call the context of radical responsibility. Um, which I loved what you were saying, Derek, about responsibility, because I, I think this is a huge part of it. And a lot of it is just like inner work. Like, how do I know when I'm being triggered? How do I know when I'm coming at this? Like, I'm being, I'm right, and you should do this. Uh, I'm saying this is a, just a big part of what I do. And and kind of step back from that and open up space for people. I think that my next step in that is I'm holding space for smaller groups. Um, I did this a little bit with Cabin. They have this uh, gatherers uh, role. Uh, where someone will be at a property and kind of be facilitating the gathering. And what I see as purposes of deepening connection. And yeah, I had the opportunity to do that last October. It was great holding space for cacao circles, um, which is uh, on my edge and really uh, nourishing to me to work with cacao. Um, And yeah, I want to learn how to um, hold space for more organizations. I think I'm just kind of finding finding my way into that still. Um, but yeah, holding space for smaller groups and expanding is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I often think about community as being defined by the depth of the relationships between the individuals rather mm. than as like this thing that exists in its own platonic sense. Like mm-hmm. at East Denver, when you two connected, that was the East Denver community getting stronger. It, mm-hmm. even though like maybe no one else saw that interaction and so in that same way if you're trying to scale that if you have the responsibility of stewarding a community whether that's like a local church community or you're in a managerial role at some kind of organization or what have you uh, being really intentional about the mechanisms by which you give people the chance to get to know each other better and deepen their connections mm-hmm. with each other beyond whatever like just always pushing the boundary. Humans, we are always yearning for a deeper connection. So even if you've got a really healthy community, that doesn't mean there's not some opportunity there. And it feels like we, like I appreciate the sense in which uh, Web3 especially is trying to reinvent the wheel and try a bunch of new stuff out when it comes to community building. But especially, you know, post COVID in the digital sense, we lost so much wisdom from thousands, tens of thousands of years. Basic stuff like, gathering around the table to share food or like song or Mm. just mythos. It's pretty hard. These creative aspects of storytelling that remind me a lot of like the labor rights movement and American folklore. So much of what drives the resilience of the working class in America is simple songs that you can strum on a guitar and gathering around the fire to share some food. And so I appreciate like what Camp Social, for example, is trying to do in incentivizing people to step up as members of their community and create these one-off or regular opportunities for folks to connect. But it sometimes feels like an uphill battle to pull it off digitally and you know try our best to do like a live digital happy hour or something like that. So I'm curious for both of you, what forms of remote community building or connecting you've seen in communities you're a part of that you want to elevate and encourage folks to try doing more? Mm. We have this awesome um, 
like women's and non-binary circle at Cabin, um, led by uh, amazing woman, Rena. Um, and that was so nourishing, having showed up to that a few times to like be with other other women and um, through the screen. And they were the type of people that I, I might meet someday. I did meet some of them in Denver, um, one in particular, two, two in particular, uh, who I kind of gotten to know over the internet. And then suddenly it was like, oh, your face. Um, so that was, that's one thing. It's kind of just like these interest groups around something. Um, but yeah, for me, it's ultimately like my purpose is to kind of connect with people over the internet and then eventually like see you in person. I would say a couple of things came up. This is definitely of interest to me. And to the point of digital versus in real life, it's definitely been a conversation within camp social as well, where it's like, you know, coming out of in the post covidial times that we live in, <laughs> um, you know, there was this, this move to digital uh, gatherings, zoom calls, all of this. And it's like, okay, how do we humanize this more? How do we actually make this something that still has that kind of more qualitative connection, but also how do we honor that, you know, individuals and those individual ties are what actually makes a community and honor that Mm -hmm. honor the individuals in the community. And what I've learned is that a lot of people are using mobile. And I think a big part of that is because people are out in the world (laughs) meeting with other humans. So in real life, human connections and gathering socials that they're called on camp social is just as important, possibly more important at this point um, to support. And what that was evidenced by as well is, you know, when I, when I was at Shelling Point, I got to spend time with a friend, Elliot, who I've met many, many times digitally. And I also met him in Austin at Consensus. And so again, to that point, it's like, yeah, we didn't spend days together. We spent like an hour here, 30 minutes there. But that connection of like the resonance of feeling another human's energy field, basically, that is undeniably valuable and important. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is part of why I have continued to show up to these global unity calls where they're all digital. We have 50 plus people on these calls, but then we have these breakout sessions. And within those breakout sessions, every time I'm meeting basically three new humans who have a purpose and interest kind of sphere mm-hmm. at a very high level, similar to mine. And then we get in the weeds and it's like, oh my gosh, we should connect, right? Like let's let's talk one-on-one. And then the next step yeah. from there is like, oh, you're there. I'm going to be there. Let's meet in person because the quality of those connections is so high. And there's always an emphasis of three or four people in a group during a breakout, you actually Mm -hmm. get to know someone. And then we zoom out and we're like, look at all of this. Let's share what we learned. Right. Um, And seeing Elliot and other folks from the global unity community is just like reinforces that there's value for me to continue to be there. It's it's validation mm-hmm. through a very authentic experience with another human that's just saying like, 
yes, I, I still want to show up and, and contribute to this because I believe that this is real. I can feel that this is real. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on that. <laughs> mm, yeah. There's something really real about what you're saying too. And I, I think what I said before it, scratch that about meeting in person because there is something like just forget that um because yeah there's this high quality of like um like really specific niche interest that is like totally happening like I'm thinking about this like context of radical responsibility all the work I do well not not all of it some of it's in these in-person retreats and then some of it's on this in this online space in a telegram group um and it's these people from all over the world that I could connect with who have this like shared like lexicon um, and then like, like you were saying with this, this global unity group where it was like this shared language about something that's really important, really important to me, um, that could not, could not happen if I were just in one place. And like, it means I can, if I go somewhere, um, to where like I, someone I know from the internet is we can connect. So it creates this, like this super web, um, which is just like one of the best parts of the internet. I think that when you were talking about the super web, it just made me think about this conversation I was having probably about a week ago. And someone's like, you know, saying, oh, you're a community builder, like really strong community builder. And I kind of corrected them. I was like, I'm not like sitting there being like, join my community. I mean, kind of with Camp Social, I guess a little bit, but even that is a tooling <laughs> for communities to to find each other, right? And to connect more deeply. Mm-hmm. It's not that I've had this mission of growing a community. I think people think about it this way when they're like launching mm. a brand or a project or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I said, I have a constellation of connections that over the last, you know, beyond a decade have been extremely meaningful. And I understand that each of these people is holding a piece of the puzzle. Though the day when it like all makes sense, it makes sense because we're not all holding the same piece. And what's occurred is that there's been mutual support for many years, even though we're not in the same physical spaces. And we can continue to do that for each other. And as we develop and, you know, have opportunities that we can share with one another, we do. And it just, it does tend to then feel like oh this community and it's like no this is these are all human beings each one of these is just a relationship that was built on a really nice shared value usually and Mm -hmm. connection point that was bigger than the moment that was bigger than just Mm -hmm. like oh we're both on this dance floor right it's like mm-hmm. so so it continues to ripple out into the world and what happens is because i value community i tend to find other people in that constellation that are also valuing community and have that web of connections and so it's just it's very interesting the perception that you know we can come into hearing community and community growth and all this it's like when we distill mm-hmm. that down it's relationships, right? It's yeah. to Derek's point, the density of the relationships. It's that human connection. So super like, yeah, just so grateful as well to have you part of this constellation and, <laughs> you know, just see how beautifully 
this web of connections, not only within Web3, but just within our our kind of personal missions and visions is is coming together. And that's the beauty for me of, of Web3 was like, how do I... I saw the technology as an opportunity for us to reevaluate our values and mm-hmm. also saw that I think similarly to you, that technology shapes who we are as a society. Mm-hmm. So where do you see us going <laughs> in this new shape? And, you know, I think we're probably somewhat aware, but like, what are the, what's the shape that you what do you want to leave behind or what do you feel like is our yeah. responsibility to have the awareness to, to leave behind? Yeah. Thank you for that question. Um, I'm going to start off with something I've been saying recently, which is uh, that I think that web three is not so much about blockchain as it is about like this, this really strong calling to a new culture that people, people have. They're like, yeah, we want to own our data. We want to have sovereignty. We want this and that, yes, blockchain enables this. And it's very exciting that we have this technology and that like realizing this idea requires more work, work in ourselves and like work. Yeah. It requires work in ourselves and work to shift the culture that we live in, uh, really prioritizing what we want. And for me, I see people wanting connection. I see people wanting to step into themselves in this self-sovereignty. Um, and then shifting from that, something that is really alive for me is, what kind of structure do we want to create to connect in this super web? I think a lot about social media and I've been thinking about social media as connected to marketplace because when I studied Facebook and Google and school, um, I realized that this structure is really built on connection to a marketplace. That's where the money comes, the advertising model. And from my perspective, advertising isn't bad. It's just the way that these algorithms are being used, the way that they're being Uh, taught to move our attention and so what I would love to see what I would love to work on which I'm I'm trying to find people who are doing something similar so I can collaborate I I, I don't know how to do this alone like I'm just a person with ideas (laughs) Um, is to create some sort of blockchain empowered so blockchain in, in in the right place for the right things structure of social media that's connected to a marketplace that has has values up front the, the values aren't hidden. The values aren't like this. There's this thing with like these big companies where they have values and the value is like profit maximization and these other things that they might be like, oh, like don't be evil and then take away that. Um, but there's these values behind it. So values up front and like really an integrity, which is, it's an impossible goal, you know, but that's what I want to see is something that we can create together that has this enabling the super web yeah. with the marketplace. I mean, you know, it, to me, this is so, so like reinforces that idea of we don't have to leave everything behind. Like, in fact, somebody's going to do it. Uh, somebody's already doing it, right? Um, but there are ways to understand who we are, still honor where we're at, not be delusional about it as like a society is like already here. No, they're not. We're actually here somewhere in the middle most people how do we not like just be delusional thinking you know oh everybody's just gonna jump over here you know 20 paces ahead no we have to provide this those steps 
But yeah, what you were saying about this marketplace <laughs> is really interesting because just today it came up in a conversation with my partner where he was saying, you know, there should web three, because he came to East Denver and he's totally new to web three mm. entirely. So he was like, I'm just going to learn and explore. Right. And today he was saying, you know, what would be a great web three, uh, application or just you know use case he said there should be a better business bureau kind of thing where you mm-hmm. like basically where you can you can tell who you're supporting because we were talking about going to the local market yes. right to get bread yeah. and I was like hey why don't we just go to that market and he's like but we don't actually know who owns that market do we like we're supporting it we think we're supporting local but are we and then mm-hmm. How could that be also paired, right? When you think about, yeah, if you're going to advertise people, maybe people that care about their data and care about the sovereignty also care about, say, like the environment and sustainability and equity and all these things. It's like, hey, you know, you can support these brands or, you know, make these purchases um, in a more conscious way uh, Mm -hmm. because you have access to that information, and I, I think mm-hmm. it's very curious to me of, of what would people choose if they had the options? And sometimes we just don't have the options. So we think, well, you know, people are just going to buy whatever, you know, is in front of them or is the cheapest thing. And it's like, actually, have we tested that where society is at in terms of our values related to our commerce? Yeah, I think it's, it's a really interesting space. And I wish you luck in that. In terms of looking at social media, specifically uh in the decentralization and kind of fair spaces i would suggest you uh well listen to annie brown's episode andrea brown's episode Mm -hmm. but also um if you would like i'm happy to connect the two of you because i think you would have a a lot to enjoy about each other cool yeah i'll check i'll check that out just i i'm remembering a talk that i heard at east denver up on the we called it the bunny slope stage it's meant to be more foundations and so on for folks that are not already super deep in the space and somebody was talking about social media and talked about how the like or the heart is to borrow a term the ultimate shitcoin because mm. it's free to produce and mint you can you can generate it out of nowhere when you click the button and you as users we emotionally are like hardwired to hoard these uh, like forms of social value and approval and they're non-transferable and you can't convert them to anything else. I think about how web three like lens, for example, is trying to just like kind of skeuomorphically borrow the social media model. Like, Oh yeah, you got uh, followers, you got a uh, content, you got uh, likes. And a part of me is like, why <laughs> is this, because I'm biased, you know, I'll admit that one of the things that drew me to the space was to enable human coordination in a way that's less extractive. Like I entered the space through Raid Guild, which is a co-op of freelancers that work together to make uh, websites and other Web3 projects for clients. And by being a co-op, pretty much all the client money that comes in, 90% of it goes to the small team of folks that worked on the project. And then 10% of it goes to a shared treasury where the guild together can also fund internal projects. Like, oh, let's throw some money over to this member of the guild so they can build us a new tool to make it even easier to coordinate. That's the kind of stuff that gets me hyped because we can use smart Mm -hmm. contracts to make it so the client and the team 
can work together even though they don't know each other well. And the team members can Mm -hmm. work together even though they don't know each other well. And the entire guild can work together well even though they don't know each other well. These are the things that smart contracts enable. And so in that same way, as we have been talking about people connecting both in digital and in in in-person spaces and what does and doesn't work or what we've learned from the past that we do or don't want to reproduce moving forward, especially if you're in a role of having some agency in designing how people interact with each other. I just personally want to emphasize that giving people the space to connect with each other around whatever makes your community exciting, like if there's some kind of value or mission that drew people in, giving them the space to just chat about it and nerd it out can be a great way to deepen connection, even if they're not processing any other aspect of their lives. Mm-hmm. And be, you know, instead of incentivizing the wrong things, like giving a Poe app just for showing up, uh, I think, think about what you do want to incentivize, like giving people your native token or a Poe app, or even just a shout out for exhibiting the values that you really uh, want to promote more in the space. Because the, the way that you get people to stay is simply by acknowledging the value that they're adding. Because we're all Mm -hmm. so thirsty for belonging and validation. And we all have so many gifts that we are capable of giving. And I think the ball that gets dropped extremely often is not keeping an eye on new people entering your community and aggressively showering them with affection and praise the moment they start stepping up, even in a really small way. Because that's what we're all longing for, is just to be seen and valued by a group that shares values that we want to be a part of. And it's one thing to give people something to consume. A lot of community building is just this like de facto marketing brand building of like, yeah. okay, we got our newsletter, we got our content we put out, we got our tweets, our community is how many followers we have. And I would love to see, even though it's so much more heavy lifting, a more decentralized model where a community manager or a small team are keeping an eye on the tiers of participation, uh, especially that outermost tier of new folks and creating really explicitly designed opportunities for them to show up, contribute and get acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, appreciation is so powerful. Um, And I think this is really important what you're saying, Derek, about like making sure the people at the edges who are curious and want to give are, are seen and appreciated. Like that is like, Amber was talking about that's building those relationships and, and not in like appreciation in the way of like, yeah, you get a sticker. Um, yeah. It's like yeah. peer validation, your team's validation, you know, with Kim social, it's like we talk about rewards and recognition because recognition is also really valuable and mm-hmm. that the lowest, you know, hanging fruit, whatever, you know, the easiest kind of entry point as well like Derek and I have talked about this is how do you provide an opportunity extremely early on that allows this new you know member of your community this new relationship to be valued to like demonstrate value in some way and have that recognized by their peers or you know it's I think it's 
I kind of cringe a little bit with all the like, you know, badges and yeah, the the vanity metrics of the heart like and what if we were enough, you know, what Mm. if we were enough and didn't have to validate each other with these hearts and you had to prove yourself through all of, you know, these these kind of overly gamified things because you actually you added legitimate value just because you were there holding space or having a conversation and connecting with another human and being you the whole Mm -hmm. you not to try to fit in or to earn something per se but just to to have your presence there and to participate Mm -hmm. fully and if you can get that level of understanding that they feel you know the individual that's new to the space feels seen, feels appreciated. I I think a hundred percent, Eric, that that's the stickiness because I don't want to stick around a space where I feel not only like undervalued, but like just not seen, right? Like doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if I'm here. Doesn't matter if I'm here right now. Okay. Then why would I be there? Why would I stay? Like Mm -hmm. that is so core (laughs) and yet missed by a lot of people it's like no just you know this this doesn't exist without the us it just doesn't and just i want to go ahead go ahead uh i just want to i want to push back on this idea that like badges and stickers are like always drawing away from this because yeah i think that it's really important that this like appreciation and like real presence is happens first but one of the most exciting projects I was working on with Cabin is building out this like like system of badges. Um, and I think it is really valuable to like have, it's it's not quite just like a pull app, which I think has been used so much that it kind of become devalued, but uh, like an, a recognition that I showed up and I built something. Um, and then like over time, like, oh my gosh, I built 10 things. Like that means a lot. I had to get, I had to be there to get this. Um, anyway, what, what were you saying, Derek? Cut you off. Um, similarly that I think, uh, I don't mean to straw man anything that's been said here or in the space, but to oversimplify for a moment, I think our industry has its libertarian roots in valuing self-sovereignty and self-responsibility and, and taking care of your keys and taking care of your health. And that's something I do appreciate promoting, like we have in this conversation, to take responsibility for your own well-being. And I often feel like the conversation stops there and stops short and ignores the fact that, especially for men, there's this caricature of the ascetic monk who Walt Whitman lives alone in the woods and takes care of themselves and is completely self-responsible and completely self-reliant and doesn't need to rely on those other people that are going to let them down anymore. (laughs) And at the end of the day, we do need to exist in relationship to each other. We're relational social beings and we have certain needs that you just literally cannot meet alone. Like the, the joke example I always give is like, I can't really kiss myself (laughs) right and so in that same way my goal is to like one of my needs is to receive validation and affection and appreciation from people whose esteem I care about I cannot do that alone and so that's why I went on my rant a few minutes ago I think there's the parts of ourselves that we can take responsibility for alone 
And then there's the other parts of ourselves where we take responsibility for asking for help with them or for showing up and yeah. saying in a clear way, here's something I need rather than in that more immature way. Like, why are you not giving me a thing I need? You know, especially like in the co-living example from earlier or in yeah. the DAOs, you know, if that's not something you've taken the responsibility to understand about yourself, then okay, you're, you're sort of spilling your mess everywhere you go. But I want to acknowledge that one of the things that brought me to the space, like I said about Ray Guild a, mo a moment ago, is the way in which it enables us to rely on each other in mm -hmm. new ways, not to be so cartoonishly independent of each other in new ways. Do you all think that when we say self-sovereignty, we mean it as the individual self or we mean the idea comes from sovereign from a system? When I say it, I mean that I am in my own bubble and then from this bubble I can relate with you so I'm not like um I can be kind of I guess in a system if I choose but I can like have the ability to choose the system to choose these things um and I I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily the way that a lot of people are using the word yeah that totally rhymes with the way Bology Srinivasan's network state idea shows up which is something mm. that a lot of these communities are anyway, like especially in an online world where a lot of our interactions and friends are in spaces that are very easy to enter and exit. It's one of the great things about Web3 is the open source ethos is even at the social level, like welcome in. Yeah, you just click verify and you're a member of the community. You can throw it in your Twitter bio like I'm a member of SporkDAO. It's like no one's going to like gatekeep you on that. But um the beauty there is that you can take everything we just said about taking responsibility for yourself uh, to the extent you can alone, and then also taking responsibility for how you want to work with other people to get your mm -hmm. mutual needs met, uh, like collaboratively. And if you don't like the particular person that you're working with, or you don't like the particular community you're a part of, uh, most of us have the privilege of being able to leave, both leave online communities and even just in a post-industrialization era where we're all moving to different cities for school or for work and moving is the new norm again a privilege not all people have but we can choose to be a part of even local communities that are more aligned with our values and mm -hmm. even to its like logical conclusion the quintessential 21st century conversation is hey, y'all, should we go buy some land and get the fuck out of Dodge before it all falls <laughs> apart? Like everyone's having that conversation. And so I appreciate yeah. the way in which we're all trying to maybe not throw the baby out with the bathwater and say like, forget about society. It's all homesteading now. Who's going to grow the carrots? But like this more decentralized version of it, again, like the, the fully thought out version of this is the network state thing where you let folks find shared communities at first digitally where it's very easy to move through the multi-dimensional internet space and find your folks that you resonate with and then from there if the community starts thriving and there's shared values you could pool like financial resources and make this a reality that exists in geographical space too i mean i appreciate yeah. cabin 
and all of the co-living experiments that you mentioned earlier for mm -hmm. being on the ground versions of this, actually trying to make it work and all of its messiness. I've lived in shared cooperative housing before. I know how hard it can be when you have exactly the problems that I see DAOs going through now have mm -hmm. been hashed out before. We talk about being egalitarian and equal. And the reality is folks that have been around longer have a little bit more cultural cachet, which is not a problem, but it's, it's at ends with the like idea that we're all equal all the time. And mm -hmm. who gets to have an influence over how we use our shared resources, whether that's whether or not we buy certain food or we import fruit that's off season from a different country, et cetera. Like these mm -hmm. are where people are actually figuring these things out. And so I have a respect for the folks that stick it out and are trying to figure out how to make it work. And I have respect for folks that have the agency to say, I'm not aligned with this anymore. I'm out of here and go choose mm -hmm. to be somewhere else. Cause that's the beauty of the world we live in right now is that the, the other side of the double-edged sword of how fractured society and community is, how we are not, you know, 150 years ago, it was hard to leave wherever you grew up and you were born and your family and the people that were your neighbors, whether or not you liked them, were going to be there for you. And you could just like drop your kid off at the neighbor's house and go about your day. Now we've just like gig economy outsourced every aspect of that relationship, whether it's getting a ride to the airport or having someone watch your kid or having your groceries delivered or having someone make you food. These are all now just like financially fractured. I'm borrowing all this from sacred economics, by the way, shout outs to Dr. Charles Eisenstein. And that's horrible in a lot of obvious ways. Yeah. But since we're already there, let's at least like grab hold fully of what it enables us to do, which is have more agency in where we spend our time and who we want to connect with. Yeah. And how do we even like a step further from that? Like, how do we, okay, we have these things. Now, what do we choose to keep and what do we choose to to let go? Like, for example, like gig economy, childcare. Like I am a, I want for my children to have like a consistent, reliable group of people. And that's something that I value. Um, or like, I love being able to ask for a ride to the airport from a friend. And so just like, there's this aspect also that now that this is all available on, on a market level, that you can be like, oh, actually I value not marketizing this part of my life. Like I value creating space in my life for this to rely on my relationships, to build my relationships. Um, and I think that that's my edge right now. I was like, okay, how do I now, I, I grew up in like a very, yeah, just everything is marketized and that's kind of the way it is. And so now I can choose my life and it's, it's like, okay, what do I bring in? What do I take out? I feel like one of the first times that we experience there that I can think about outsourcing and the detachment of the relationship, it comes to food, comes to like, mm -hmm. you know, are you getting, are you getting the frozen meals? Are you, you know, were you raised on that? Um, going out to dinner, going through a drive through all these things. And now being able to have something delivered to your house. Okay, you know, your groceries are delivered to your house. All these things, we've outsourced every single aspect of our life. But that relationship with food also is a relationship with people <laughs> that yeah. are growing that food if it's not you, right? Or that are preparing the food and the love that goes into mm -hmm. that food. And so, yeah, I just think there's like every thread of our life. And you have to ask yourself those questions of, of what am I going to not 
outsource. And in my outsourcing, what will I do with that freedom? What will I do with that time? Because ideally it's to be more aligned, to be, to be able to give more of yourself into the things that are a higher use of you, like the highest expression of you. And Mm -hmm. if it's saving you time and money, right? Like hopefully that yields some greater return for you and the world around you. Um, But yeah, it's just, yeah, I've been cooking so much more and I Mm -hmm. am so happy to like taste my food. And like, I just, I haven't eaten out in so long. And that relationship of just preparing my food and being able to enjoy that, it slows me down and it has this deeper connection to like everything that's in my body. And I'm just, I'm super grateful for that kind of reclaimed love connection with myself and how I'm caring for myself. And in the end, it's like that 20 minutes or whatever you save to outsource that it it's, it's not worth it. Right. You say ain't worth the squeeze to give to, yeah. to, to like borrow <laughs> from, from a very intelligent film somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah. Was flowing through me. Uh, yeah, what do you want to say? I just read this book, the the soul of money, and it's got this 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 uh, yeah concept of money as your energy. So like it matters where you put it and how it feels when you receive it or give it out. Um, and so like I've been saying no to jobs that I'm like that doesn't feel like I'm appreciated, even though I might get more money because uh, I don't want to receive that money. Um, and then it's like with the food, it's like I don't want to buy food at Safeway anymore. I don't I don't like the way that the people look in their eyes when they work here. And I can't support that. Um, even if I have to drive like extra far to go find a natural grocery store. Um, Just to be and, clear, we're talking about yeah. like the essence of soul and happiness of the people, like the, the people's <laughs> quality of life yes. and them working there. Not yeah, that the... they're ugly. They're not <laughs> yeah, ugly. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. just to be clear here, like, they look really like are there workers on us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, it does not look like a fun place to work. It looks like it's sucking their energy. <laughs> yeah, to be really clear. And yeah, it kind of brings me back to the conversation we were having earlier about how great it would be to have a marketplace where I kind of I know what I'm buying um, or like I can set my boundaries. I think that's something that Web3 really enables is like that I would love to see is like more fine grained setting of boundaries with my data and my purchases. So like, okay, I can serve this data. I have this like container, this people have been talking about this container for having your data and being able to, to serve some to someone and have it be revocable access. So like having that be like with advertising, like maybe I need to pay a fee um, so that I don't see corporate advertising because I don't want my eyeballs to be on that, set a boundary with that. Only you can, you can only advertise to me if you have these qualities of, of business. Anyway, so so it's like my energy, my attention is also energy. Money is like these flows of attention. Anyway. I'm curious in your intro, you know, you have so many interests. You have uh, so many ways that you're expressing yourself. I wanted to ask you because I was asking myself this question, which is when you were talking about self-sovereignty, right? You're saying this is my bubble. This is my energy. How do you 
maintain and manage that energy? Like, how do you maintain and manage yourself? And more so, like, when you feel out of it, what are Mm. the things that you do that bring you back, like, with, like, the most ease that are actionable steps for yourself? That's a great question. Um, I don't, I don't always do this like right away. Uh, it's something I'm still working on. Um, walking outside is like number one. I have a meditation practice that I, I do for like centering and grounding myself. And then also like visualizing my bubble of energy and like seeing that with like energetic eyes. And yeah, I have used tools like, like, you know, like Sage or um, other tools like that in the past. Um, sometimes I use Sage. Mostly I just do kind of like visualizing my energy and and grounding myself is really, really important. Like really seeing myself as like this being that is connected to the earth. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I I was thinking about my own answer was like um, a walk was definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that sometimes, you know, what was coming through is we can have this idea that like, oh, I need to go to go for a surf. Uh, so that requires mm. that I'm by an ocean and that requ- like mm. we create these things for us to get back to ourselves where it's difficult. And I was just thinking, what's the easiest things that I do? And I think creating like making mm. music, playing guitar poorly, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because when I play guitar, it's emotional. It's literally like I'm yeah. just playing what I'm feeling. Right. And sometimes I'm crying and sometimes yeah. I'm singing. I played a song for a friend. She's like, oh my God, that was so sad. I was like, no, it wasn't. Did you hear the end? There was like a total comeback. There was like a reclamation. Are you kidding me? It's like, it went through a whole arc. (laughs) But but that kind of creation where I'm I'm just creating to create, there's no attachment. I do think that that helps me to come back. But a walk outside in nature is and it's like a an instant kind of clearing and and a yeah. resetting of perspective. Right? I also do this with music. Like I call it playing from nothing where I don't have, I'm not like learning a song where I'm like, okay, play these chords. But I just like sit there with, I have a, a dulcimer, an Appalachian dulcimer, which is super simple to play. Yeah. Uh, kind of like guitar with frets and stuff, but I'll just like vibe on the dulcimer. Uh, I'm not really like that, like, it's not so much a way for me to like center myself, but it like, it's like, I get more energy from it. It's like, I I'm restored. It's kind of reminding you of like, what's flowing through you at like, yeah, like it it just like, Oh yeah, this is me coming. Like, Mm -hmm. this is me. And then maybe it's, and maybe it's more than me, Mm -hmm. but I enjoy creation is presence too. And I think that when we get out of touch with ourselves or we start to, I don't know maybe you're around a ton of people and it's hard to maintain that sense of self you start feeling like a pool I'm sure at Denver like some people maybe experience that you know or it's like is this actually what I want what do I feel in my body right now oh mm-hmm. crap I can't hear it uh how can I feel and hear myself my intuition my body and what I need and get out of the mental part and yeah so I think we all have to explore what that is for ourselves. I think it's different for each of us, but it's an important exploration because otherwise we get in these situations where we've lost our own inner voice and the awareness of where 
you know, you end and I begin. And mm-hmm. that just gets very confusing, whether you're living in a co-work space, working in a DAO or otherwise, knowing that to to borrow from like Alan Watts, my fave, and Wisdom of Insecurity is that who are you really? There's nothing else to know, right? And so knowing that on a physical, mental, spiritual, emotional level, it's really important work. Yeah. And I... I- I was just going to say, and I like super respect what you're, what you're pursuing in that regard. Yeah. I want to just add one little piece. Cause I really appreciate what you both are saying around taking responsibility for regulating yourself and nourishing yourself and wanted to add one little surprise or plot twist on my uh, healing journey after being in therapy for the better part of a decade. Uh, I initially approached it with this mentality of like, oh, now I'm feeling something uncomfortable. How do I like fix that or make it go away? Mm. Like, what can I do to not feel bad anymore? And I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on that either. But I think like the alpha or like the deep learning that I've come to recently is there are parts of me, voices in my head that are very likely to never go away. Uh, Parts that are very critical or feeling super insecure. And where I used to think of it like, how do I basically reassure myself? But that's actually just me trying to convince that part it's wrong. Now Mm -hmm. I'm more like, you know, my favorite poem is uh, Rumi's house guest poem, which is basically like your responsibility is to stand at the door and welcome every single one of these things in to your house party. and I'm just like, well, you know what? Maybe I'm like really losing myself at, in the chaos of ETH Denver, to use your example, Amber. And there's a voice in my head saying like, you don't belong here. You're missing out on some cool party. No one wants to get to know you. And rather than be like, all right, how do I get up and go and get myself out of this rut? I do want to do that. But before I do, I want to say, oh, hey, self-doubt. Hey, feeling really cranky or crabby or whatever. Welcome to the party. and let that part be allowed and in that same way if we like you know fractal that out if we can create belonging for parts of ourselves we're not a huge fan of then we are in a more integrated healthy place to be a steward of a community and create processes that create belonging for community members that are having a hard time showing up and they're showing their spiky edges right because if you haven't done that work on yourself then you're probably gonna like honestly throw a lot of projection at them and be like why are you being so crabby that's not okay secretly wishes it was more okay to be crabby in your own head so yeah. that's the real alpha it's just like whatever is true for you <laughs> accept it like it'll be true for the rest of your life however someone's showing up in front of you accept it like this is how they'll be for the rest of their life because the only thing that needs to be changed is the idea that people need to be changed yeah i'm reminded of a time i was at a party at east Denver. And I got really overwhelmed with this like thought that I had done the wrong thing. I skipped this larger party earlier to rest. And then I, I didn't show up. I was like, what if they think of this? And like got so overwhelmed with this thought that I was like, I'm going to cry right now. And I just like went outside and I cried. And then I went back into the party and it, it was okay. <laughs> but it was really hard. It was really hard to be in that position. I was like, I should go home because I'm going to cry. I shouldn't do this. Um, 
but then I, mm. I met someone really cool and it worked out. I just, I needed to take that space for myself to feel what I was feeling, even if it wasn't really like rational or logical, had yeah. to, like you were that's saying, Jedi. That, that was just that's there. total Jedi. If you're <laughs> in a place where you can just step outside of the party real quick, cry, and then go back in, that's uh, self responsibility. I don't know if I'm <laughs> I thought I was gonna go home, but then I, I hadn't gotten the phone number of someone I wanted, and so I went back. I was like, I have to get she's so like, I have to get her telegram. Uh, so I was like. <gasps> And it was fine. You got this, Eileen. We get her telegram. Y'all pull it together, Eileen. Gotta get that. <laughs> get that telegram. Wow. Yeah, I love that though, Derek. I think that's such beautiful, simple wisdom. Not that it's you know not deep, but the simplicity of yeah, there is nothing to change about another human and within ourselves, that relationship the Rumi poem oh my god and it doesn't end right it's not like oh I've made peace and da, da, da. it's like oh there's a different version of that and let me welcome them to the table right <laughs> and I think I've had a lot of insecurities personally that especially in romantic partnerships that have come up and shown their ugly head and I've responded to them in trying to suppress and only recently do I feel I'm just gonna name it like I'm very insecure about x and like share that even with my partner so that it's just out there and then it doesn't have to be scary anymore you know um and it it's so freeing to just sort of make friends maybe not friends at least acquaintances with the with the voices and the um the fears and and insecurities and things that yeah I think can can feel like well wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice if we were just oh so perfect but that is not what we all are in fact all I don't think it would be so nice it would be kind of boring (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah it's a it's a story we tell ourselves like one day i'll be this and then like you know as humans I one think day i'll a, be at least a moment <laughs> <laughs> one day well i i am so so grateful for both of you and for this conversation and you know it was lovely to meet you in person um and i hope that we get to share space again physically uh in the same physical space soon and i'm here just personally as an individual if there's anything that i can ever do to help support um please know that that you have i'm gonna throw derek in there too maybe derek derek and i you have all of us uh <laughs> oh you said the thing i said the, I said thing. the thing wait did i say the thing anyways thank you so much and thank you for just being the the radiant human that you are and you know bringing all of yourself to the work that you do and being open and kind-hearted and i just super appreciate um your presence on this planet at this time thank you 
thank you guys so much for for being who you are and doing this this incredible work of of bringing people onto this this show and asking them these really important questions and capturing and sharing the, this wisdom with people. I have a quick plug for, um, I will soon be doing a podcast um, that you can find out more about on my website, which is eileen.freaking.rocks. Um, but the, the podcast is called The State of the Network. And we're going to be driving around interviewing people about um, their networks. So similar to this, except on the ground. Um, so I'm really excited that that's, that's happening this summer. Oh, that's so good. Why didn't we talk about this sooner? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I like forgot. I was, the conversation was so interesting. No, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. We'll put it in the show link and share out. All of Us is brought to you by Camp Social, empowering communities to self-organize. Connect on Twitter at Camp Social underscore. Set up camp or join a social on camp.social today. And East Denver, the largest and longest-running Web3 community innovation festival, fiddling the decentralized future. I like the last one. Cut it. Smash. Smash. Cut. Stop recording. Hey, everybody. Wanted to make sure that you all got the invitation to join Camp Social Seeding Communities, a 10K initiative running now until May 13th. Head over to camp.social or hi.camp.social to register today. Hey everyone, it's Derek. I always forget to do this, but if you enjoyed any part of this and would be willing to take just a moment to rate this episode or this show on whatever platform you're using, it would help us a lot. The algorithm is brutal and we are just trying to share what we think are some pretty good ideas from some pretty cool people as broadly as possible. So thanks in advance for your support.